Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. What is good in the hood? I, I didn't realize that was something you were supposed to say. What is good in the hood? What does that even mean? It just means hello. Oh, okay. Well, what is good in the hood? We're going to talk about a lot of things here, but one of the things that I have to bring up is your cousin Matthew, who is an avid listener. Shout out Matthew. Shout out Matthew, avid listener to this podcast, has complained that we have made errors and wants us to correct it. them. I do not doubt it. I doubt it. I don't. Have you ever watched Conan O'Brien when everybody tries to bring an error to his attention and the whole thing is spent justifying why the error isn't really an error? Nope. Oh, that's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, well, these these were a couple of errors. One, he talked about, I, I said, if Roe versus Wade were to be reversed, abortion would remain legal in all 50 states. And that's not necessarily true because at least four states have trigger laws that will reverse their abortion laws if Roe versus Wade is overturned. So Matthew pointed that out to me. The other thing he pointed out was that I started talking about the election between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson as being the election of 1804, when in fact it was the election of 1800, which I should have known because doesn't Hamilton have a song like that Mm -hmm. about that? Yep. Okay. Well, one of my favorite videos on... Is that, are those all the corrections? Those are all the corrections. That's ev- thanks, thanks, Matthew. Keeping us honest. Keeping us honest. Everything Appreciate you. El- everything else that we have said on this podcast has been 100% accurate. So... Yep. Without a single error. Yep. Should we invite people to send us possible errors that they think are errors? Or, yeah. Or you could just write them down on a piece of paper and then crumple it up and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> Just kidding. Keep correcting us. Well, uh, I'm going to share here. Um, I'm going to share here a video here that talks about an attack ad from 1800. There weren't really attack ads in 1800, but I want to play this for you, and I want to get your sense of what you think of this. Are you I, ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. Have you ever Some seen this political before? watchers no. are saying this could be the nastiest, most negative election season of all time. This campaign season seems like candidates have taken dirty to a whole new level. When pundits start shouting and politicians start calling each other's names, it can seem like a return to civility is not possible. Like they, the very idea is a relic of some bygone, bygone era. Okay, now the screen says the election of 1800. John Adams is a blind, bald, crippled, toothless man who wants to start a war with These France. are real quotes? While These are real quotes. importing mistresses from Europe, he's trying to marry one of his sons to a daughter of King George. Haven't we had enough? 
monarchy in America. I'm Thomas Jefferson, and I approve this message because John Adams is a hideous, hermaphroditical character with neither the force and firmness of a man nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. If Thomas Jefferson wins, murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will be openly taught and practiced. The air will be rent with the cries of the distressed. The soil will be soaked with blood and the nation black with crimes. Are you prepared to see your dwellings in flames, female chastity violated, children writhing on a pike? I'm John Adams, and I approve this message because Jefferson is the son of a half-breed Indian squaw raised on hoe cakes, and Hamilton is a Creole bastard brat of a Scotch peddler. Oh my gosh. The nastiest, most negative election. And they've taken dirty to a whole new It can seem like and it says, next time, try possible. cracking a history book if you think that it's not possible that we have such negative ads. Okay, just for attribution, that's a video called Attack Ads Circa 1800, posted by Reason TV. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Have you ever seen that before? No. So what do you think? Um, those guys would be great at writing like rap diss tracks, I feel. <laughs> They've got some great insults. They do have some great insults. Uh, but it's what's remarkable is that uh, every campaign season, we are, we're coming up on the midterm elections. And Donald Trump particularly has come under fire for being so uncivil and for saying so many nasty things. And every time this comes up, everybody starts saying, well, what can we do in order to prevent this kind of nasty campaigning? And what people don't necessarily realize is that this is some, something that has been with us since the nation's founding. That if that's, We've always been crappy people. Well, Always have, always will be. Well, that's, that may very well be true. But the, the alternative is... Uh, there, there isn't really an alternative that would be acceptable constitutionally. The founders wrote the First Amendment not to protect, um, say, entertainment speech or any of that kind of stuff. You know, people talk about censorship. They're usually talking about things that happen in the realm of entertainment or, or that kind of thing. But it was designed specifically to prevent any government interference in political speech. And to allow, you know, John Adams to call Thomas Jefferson the son of a half-breed who was raised on hoe cakes. Do you know what hoe cakes even are? No, they don't sound very good, though. Well, I, I, I don't know. Don't knock them till you try them. That is, that is true. So, Sorry, hoe cakes. Sorry, hoe cakes. I don't know if you can buy them anywhere. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm hoping it's not some kind of slur that we're not saying something that we shouldn't be oh saying. Gosh. So, uh but uh, there, there is a great, there's a tremendous movement in the United States to limit political speech, uh, only it's framed in terms of limiting campaign financing. And this like is. Like PACs? Well, yeah, like PACs, like all kinds, any kind of campaign financing. So the, the, one of the most controversial decisions that has come out of the Supreme Court in the last 20 years, last 30 years maybe. Uh, it may Make sure be, you get your dates right on this. Well, I can tell you the date because I was working on on my father's camp, final campaign, his 2010 campaign, when the decision came down. I, so it either came down in 2009 or 2010. Okay. I can probably look it up. Matthew will probably let us know after the podcast if I get it wrong. Okay. Um, Citizens United. Have you heard of the Citizens United decision? 
Um, I've heard of it. I don't know much about it, though. Citizens United decision was based on a movie that was made by a group called Citizens United. About hence the name. Hence the name. Hence the name. Citizens United were the plaintiffs in the case. And the movie was essentially a two-hour attack on Hillary Clinton. It's talking about how terrible Hillary Clinton is, and they released it into the theaters. And Citizens United was sued under campaign finance laws because they insisted that this was a campaign contribution being made by a corporation against Hillary Clinton. And the Supreme Court found, no, this corporation has the right to free speech. And the fact that it costs money to produce that speech is irrelevant to the fact that they can produce whatever movie they want to produce and they are not accountable to anybody for what they say in the movie and that the First Amendment protects them from the ability to do that. Okay. And this has caused a great deal of outrage, particularly on the left, who insists that the big issue is, well, okay, this is saying corporations are people and corporations shouldn't have rights the way people have rights. But the reality is that people don't have those kinds of rights either. Under current campaign finance laws, uh, I, when I was running for Congress, I could only raise money from individuals. I couldn't raise money from corporations. I could only raise money from individuals in $2,700 chunks. That's the most... That is a weirdly specific number. It is a weirdly specific number, and it's a number that has risen with inflation as time's gone on. It used to be $1,000, then it was doubled to $2,000. And I don't know how it got up to 2700 but I think it's just been somehow indexed to inflation. But uh, the problem with that was uh, I didn't know enough people with $2,700 to be able to give me money. And You were friends with the wrong kind of people. I was friends with the wrong kind of people. And if I had been friends with the right kind of people and gone and said, okay, well, can you give me two, $3 million and then I can finance this whole campaign and, and just be good? I'd be in massive violation of federal election law. Uh, so what do you think of that? But if you yourself were rich, you can fund your own campaign. That right? is correct. That is correct. And that's one of the reasons why the people who win office are either filthy, stinking rich or that they're incumbents. If you're already in office, it's a lot easier to raise money to be in office one of the problems I found when I was raising money as a member of the United Utah Party was that everybody that gave me money would go on a federal disclosure form and everybody would know that they'd given me money. So Republicans that would have wanted to give me money were n nervous about being on a United Utah Party form. That's it's, so messed up. It is kind of messed up. And we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get back from our break. All right. was your break? Really good. I, I traveled a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Sounds good. Well, so we're talking about campaign financing. And people don't realize that prior to 1974, anybody could donate any amount of money to any campaign for any time. So any president of the United States elected prior to Richard Nixon could get million-dollar donations if they wanted to. From corporations. Ah, the good old days. Ah, the good old days. My father used to point out that JFK got elected with essentially only six donors. 
He had a handful of smaller donors, but most of them, most of the money came from six donors. Well, All the Kennedys were also terrible filthy, people, stinking rich. Yes, also terrible people. Also but. terrible people. I'm assuming some of those donors were mobsters. He used to say that all the time, and I've gone online to try to confirm it, and I've never been able to find actual confirmation of it. So, Matthew, you need to go and look into that and get me the numbers. We're giving him a hard time, but we really do. No, need. well, Matthew's very helpful, actually. When I wrote my book, I, I, I wrote a novel and I had Matthew read it, and his, his feedback was the best feedback I've ever gotten on anything. So, But that novel is still unpublished, and so we can't talk about it. Uh, but... Uh, Campaign finance reform is a huge issue because people say, all right, well, if you open the floodgates and say anybody can give any amount of money, then you're essentially saying people can buy politicians, which there's there's some truth in that. I think that that's a good argument. At the same time, you're also saying that only rich people can run for office. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way to be able to do this is to say, all right, anybody can give anybody any amount of money. But it needs to be completely transparent. That must, so if somebody's buying a politician, you should know which politician is for sale. And if you're standing up in a, in a debate and you are repeating the talking points of the people who just gave you $2 billion, it should be pretty clear to the voters where your priorities are and the fact that you're going to be in the pocket of the people who have given you that kind of money. Yeah, like if someone's in a presidential debate and they keep bringing up how Verizon has such great family plans and stuff, <laughs> yeah. we should be able to know We should be that able to Verizon know. is paying them. Well, currently we do have uh, very strict disclosure laws. I had to file all kinds of FEC reports for the minimal donations that I got. Uh, and, but, uh, but the reality is that any kind of limit on campaign financing translates to a large degree to a limit on speech. Because to be able to get up and speak, it's one of the things that really frustrates me when people start talking about how free speech is violated when people are fired for saying something stupid. You know, was Roseanne's free speech violated when she was fired from her show? Um, no, I don't know. <laughs> well, you have to provide color commentary on this. I'd... Was well, Ambien's, like, free speech violated when she said it was their fault? That I don't know. Does Ambi- do, do drugs have free speech? That's a good question. This is getting, this is getting, getting really meta. Getting esoteric. Well, and this has become an issue now. James Gunn, who was the director of the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, about this. You know about this. He was fired. And actually, the Guardians of the Galaxy cast. Yeah, they, like, signed a thing that trying to, like, petition to bring him back. Petition to bring him back. Now, James Gunn does not have a constitutional right to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, you know, the fact that he said stupid things on social media 10 years ago has consequences, but his free speech is not violated unless the government comes in and punishes him for it or prevents him and, and does prior restraint on anything he tries to say in the future. Mm-hmm. That's what free speech is supposed to be about. But people talk about free speech in political terms and don't recognize that free speech in political terms is what's supposed to be protected. And it's what's ignored to a large degree in all of the campaign finance laws that we have. Now, mm-hmm. I, I have to say that in saying all of this, I'm going against the party platform of the United Utah Party, of which I'm a member, because they very much want stricter campaign finance rules. So does that make me a rebel? Yep. 
Uh, are you are you impressed? Without a cause. Well, no, I have a cause. This is my cause. My cause with is with a confusing cause. With a confusing rebel cause. with a confusing cause. Well, the state of Utah actually has a very loosey goosey campaign financing system. So, if I were to run for office in Utah, say run for governor or run for attorney general or run for the state legislature, I would not have any kind of limits whatsoever. And I actually ran for the state Senate in 2006, but nobody gave me millions of dollars, which makes me upset. Do you have millions of dollars that you could give me to run for office? Dude, I wish. I wish. Except I wouldn't spend on getting you elected. I'm sorry. No, I understand that. I, you know, I, your mother has made me promise that I would never run for office again unless I have money to burn. I have all kinds of financial incentives. I want to buy a $46 million townhouse in Manhattan and... Your mother has said that the only way I can do that is if I'm worth a billion dollars. Oh, well, she cut that cut that Freaking back. mom raining on our parades all the time. I understand that. Well, she did cut it down to 500 million. So, it's not it's gone down 50%. So, if I have 500 million dollars, I can buy this townhouse in Manhattan. It's it's gorgeous. It's the old mission home. Yes, please tell us more about your I, fantasy house. I, we really we really care about that. I sense sarcasm in a your li- voice on A little this. bit. Well, so this, I think, is a, is a pressing issue, but there are all kinds of things going on today, and this is something that's completely unrelated, uh, but I want to get your perspective on it. Uh, we are planning on going back to the moon, not you and me, or not the family. Dang it. But it'd be nice. I really got my hopes up there. I understand that the United States is planning on going back to the moon. We haven't been to the moon since 1972. Uh, I can remember very vaguely watching television where people would crash land in the ocean in those capsules. Fake, faked footage. It's obviously. all fake footage? Yes. You, you're a believer in, in, in that particular conspiracy? Oh, yeah, definitely. This is all in a, all filmed in a Hollywood basement. Uh, so this podcast is kind of filmed in a Hollywood basement. I'm just it? kidding. I believe in the moon landing. You believe, well, you do, you do have a... Uh, hoodie that says aliens exist, right? I have a beanie. It's a beanie. That's not that's not a conspiracy. Aliens absolutely do exist. Okay. When you just think about the how big our universe is, and like it, like it would be crazier if they didn't exist. I understand. If, that. I I can't get on this. I get I well, get heated about aliens. All right. Well, I think aliens may be the subject for our next podcast. But there's this there's this great Calvin and Hobbes um, cartoon where they're like. I think like like they're standing in front of like a cut down tree. Calvin and Hobbes are they're like staring at the stump, and they're like, I think the best evidence for aliens existing is the fact that they haven't visited us yet. Right, right. Well, that's Fermi's paradox too, but we can get yeah. into that. Anyways, anyway, um, the reason we're the the biggest obstacle to going back to the moon since we haven't been there since seventy two. What do you think the biggest obstacle to us going back is? What's your um, guess? The- Astronaut food is disgusting. You're not too far off. Uh, the actual reason is that we don't have adequate spacesuits. Those spacesuits that you see in the, you know, in all of the footage, right? Those are essentially the same suits we've been using for 50 years. They haven't been updated, and there are only 11 working spacesuits still in existence. How hard? This sounds so. This sounds so like pretentious of me to assume that I know about this but how hard is it to make new space like if we can make a rocket ship that seems like that would be the hard part if we can put a man on the moon why can't we put a man on the moon in a spacesuit? so true 
Uh, no, I, I, that was fascinating to me. But the knees don't bend in a spacesuit. The way they described it is they said a spacesuit essentially is a mini spaceship in and of itself. You need to be able to do all kinds of things and even unmentionable things because you can't get in and out of it. Once you're in it, you're stuck in it. And, and uh, they're trying to figure out lighter ways to do this, and they're trying to design all these kinds of things, but we haven't made any progress. So the same kind of spacesuits we had back then, and it's frustrating to me because I watch all kinds of science, science fiction television, and most of those guys don't have spacesuits at all. Every time, why Captain, is that? Why is that frustrating to you? Well, you why, choose weird things to get frustrated about. Oh, I choose weird things to get frustrated about. Yeah, you're the one that's all upset about uh, aliens and such. That's not. That's just. I get frustrated when people don't understand facts. I, I get it. Well, the bottom line is that we're allowed to get frustrated over whatever we want to get frustrated over because we have free speech free speech in the United States of America but, but we still we might get in trouble for saying things well people may uh, prevent us from directing the next marvel movie which would be fine with me uh, they have a movie coming out soon called venom that's based on a spider-man villain but spider-man's not even going to be in it because marvel doesn't own yeah the and it's it's kind of weird like this is the second tom hardy's playing it and this is the second Villain he's played. Well, he played a DC villain before. Right. He was Bane. Yeah. Uh, back in the day. Well, all of that, there are plenty of reasons to be frustrated, but we're here at Dinner Table Politics to help you get through them. So until next week, this is Jim Bennett. Aliens do exist. I want to make that very clear. Okay. Any aliens that are listening, what's up? How's the weather up there? That's Abby Bennett. Do you have free speech? Let me know. Email me. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.